0: grace and peace to you from God our Father and from his Son, our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that we have as the basis for our sermon this morning is found in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians chapter 2 where we hear these first 10 verses. Paul writes, and so it was with me brothers and sisters, when I came to you I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of go- glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. This is our God's inerrant, holy, perfect word. May the spirit accompany the message today and strengthen our faith through it. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a while ago, Pastor Schultz asked if, when I was here next, if I would do a sermon that spoke of our church bodies ministerial education system. More than 75% of my ministry has been spent in our synod's ministerial education system. So needless to say, it's very near and dear to my heart. For 33 years of my life, I have set up shop in one of our church bodies, ministerial education schools, the place where it all started in Watertown, Wisconsin, known as Luther Preparatory School. was there for four years in high school, four years in college, and now 25 years serving God's saints who gather there. The purpose of the ministerial education system in our church body has always been the same for many 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 years to encourage and prepare young people ages 14 to 26 roughly but this last year there was a 54 year old graduate from wisconsin lutheran seminary but to prepare and encourage young people to consider and become pastors teachers or staff ministers in our church body The word of God that we have before us from the Apostle Paul has a bullseye on the public gospel ministry. Many years ago, there was a popular televangelist who many people, at least in America, would watch weekly. And the name of his show was The Hour of Power. And though it had a cloak of Christianity, when you would watch the televangelists, you found that very little Christianity, and often no Christ was there. However, I submit to you that in your congregation and that in congregations across our church body, across the world, whenever you gather, As we did before service and as we're doing now, it is indeed an hour or an hour and 15 or an hour and a half, in some cases only 45 minutes of power. Today we take the gospel ministry and the power in the gospel ministry and connect the two under the theme the gospel minister's message of power in two parts. First, though serving in the public ministry is a high privilege, an undeserved blessing, a great joy. The power, as Pastor Schultz just said, does not come from the gospel minister. The power comes from the message, the word of God that is before us all the time in our worship service because the Holy Spirit is in that word. Paul's letter to the Corinthians is, is a personal letter. He had visited there, he had started the mission there, he knew them well. He spoke of individuals, exact individuals. There were many great ministry events that were taking place in Corinth. But perhaps of all the congregations that he started this congregation in corinth had a rather lengthy list of some challenges that were going on it was not a holy in and of itself in any way and of course because paul wrote the letter he would speak of himself and the struggles and the joys that he had in ministry some would say that portions of this letter were very formal And some would say this portions of this letter were rather casual. Paul was a learned man. He knew the Old Testament scriptures very, very, very well. As a matter of fact, Paul probably would have been called a scholar in the Old Testament scriptures. He loved the law of the Old Testament scriptures. And he believed with every fiber of his being that he adhered to that law in his previous life perfectly. He calls himself elsewhere the Pharisee. Those are the people who that be- believed that they were good enough in and of themselves to attain salvation. He said of himself, I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees yes he knew it well but something was missing actually everything was missing there was no messiah in his life there was no jesus in his life and paul also had a deep understanding of the world around him that's We know that from his training, and we also know that from some of the things that he spoke of in Scripture. I don't know that anybody would have called him an intellectual, but he was certainly a standout student. When congregations have ministerial education Sundays or sometimes mission festivals, often they sing a song from the hymnal called Hark the Voice of Jesus Crying, Who Will Go and Work Today? And in the end of that song, it concludes with the refrain of what Isaiah said in our Old Testament lesson, here am I, send me, send me. I think it's the third verse where it begins, if you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul. It seems quite obvious to me of all the evangelists that, God has placed here on earth. The Apostle Paul was the premier evangelist. All the congregations he started, everywhere he went. But I've often wondered, what kind of preacher was Paul? You know, we really don't know because we don't have a list, a a file. Here are the sermons of Paul. We have some hints one of my little favorites because I get to see, I've got to see it from both sides is when Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 20 and he went on and on late into the night and there was a young man listening to him sitting in the windowsill and as Paul went on and on the young man's eyes grew tired and he fell asleep and fell out of the window. The point I'm making here is that Paul did not consider himself to be a great orator. Did you hear what he said in our text? I did not come with eloquence or with wise and persuasive words. He was not a beautiful speaker. He was not extremely articulate. He was not captivating where he had the people in his hands and they were waiting with bated breath to hear the next thing that he had to say. Paul says elsewhere that I wasn't even close to the top of public speakers like those super apostles were. And Paul says, I did not come with wisdom, even though he was a smart man, or wise words. I'm going to guess you're the same as I am. I like listening to people who have expertise in their field? Just a week and a half ago, there was a young man telling me about paint and stains, stuff I had never heard, and I was most interested in what he was telling me. And maybe you have one of those people who have expertise in certain fields where you like to tell people about, and people like to listen to it. But Paul says, Of all the wisdom that he had gained, none of that was at the forefront. He perhaps could have dazzled them with his speaking, but that was not his purpose. Instead, the Apostle Paul says, I came in weakness, great fear, trembling. We know why. Paul in his previous life as Saul was an arrogant, arrogant man. He believed that his life, his salvation, his eternity depended completely on himself and that he was good enough to do so. He was blinded by a foolish thought, a foolish belief until the Lord Jesus intervened on the road to Damascus and showed Paul who he truly was and what he would make him and now Paul was given the privilege to proclaim Christ throughout the known world at that time and so Paul knew that he was learned but he was going to be speaking for an omniscient God who knew everything about everybody throughout all eternity knowing even what you had for breakfast this morning and how many hours and minutes and seconds each one of you slept last night wow And Paul knew that he was in a body of death that was wasting away. But he was going to speak for an omnipotent God who held the whole world in his hand, who without him right now, all of us, our hearts would stop immediately. Wow. And he knew he was going to speak for a God, a Savior, who was omnipresent, right there with him, every moment he spoke yikes no wonder he came in weakness great fear and trembling the holy god placed his holy word into the sinner's hands pastor while you're here would you pray for me I am going to guess almost every pastor who has visited a member in the hospital has had that question asked. As he's visiting the member, maybe having a devotion with the member, certainly praying for the member, maybe giving the member the Lord's Supper, and the member has a roommate sitting there. I don't remember exactly from parish ministry, but I think in every instance, or almost every instance, that person whom I had never met would say, Pastor, while you are here, would you pray for me? No. Well, of course I would. I always had this sneaking suspicion, though, that they wanted me to pray for them because somehow or another they felt, as a pastor, that I was just a little closer to God and that my prayers would be just a little more effective. And that's not true at all. The pastor's sins has removed him from God as far as anyone else's sins. Being a pastor or a teacher, a called servant in God's public ministry does nothing for gaining salvation. Nothing. And it's not as though God in heaven looks down and says, I'll, I'll give him a little more regal room because he's serving me full time in the public gospel ministry. No. What did Paul proclaim when he went to Corinth and to every congregation? Not himself. He speaks it here, the very heart of this text I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. Accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul taught and wrote about many things in this first letter to the Corinthians. He talked about lawsuits and marriage and meat sacrifice to idols and unity and divisions and a whole chapter on love and the lord's supper and matters of adiaphora and christian freedom the list goes on all things that god wanted his people to know that are valuable to our faith for time and for all eternity yet paul said i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified the hub from which everything else in Scripture emanates, the hub is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Without Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the Bible is only going to be, at best, a nice book that has some advice and maybe, maybe not, is helpful through life, but Christ in him crucified is everything, as John said at the close of his gospel. These words, these words of Scripture are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is the heartbeat of the gospel. The crux of the matter for Paul and for every minister of the gospel is that we are sinners and as we all just confessed recently that holds true for each and every one of us it manifests itself in different ways in our lives and some of us maybe share some common sins and struggle with the same sins and some of us would not even begin to know what a certain sin is like but those sins we know are all negative In our walk here in this life but but even more those sins separate us from a god from the holy god as the bible says who can enter the presence of god he who has a clean heart and clean hands that's none of us the old testament reading from isaiah where he sees the vision of the lord almighty they're singing holy 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 is the Lord God almighty those seraphim are what does Isaiah think? I am ruined I've seen the holy God and my lips they're unclean and the people around me with whom I live their lips are unclean I find it fascinating from god surprising from god and really delightful from god that he speaks that he still deigns to call sinners to serve in his public gospel ministry not the holy angels not special people who live some type of better life but he calls sinners and why only because of jesus christ and him crucified pastor schultz invited me to speak a a little bit about the ministerial education's church body during this sermon and i'm grateful for that opportunity i knew pastor schultz when he was a 14 year old boy i knew your other pastor schultz too as i served when he was a 14 year old boy And it gives me great delight to see them and and hundreds of others, maybe even a thousand others that I now have known in the public gospel ministry through my service. Our church body started a little less than 175 years ago. And when we started, we came, we were mostly, almost completely immigrants from Germany. And so they would get all of their pastors and teachers from Germany, who would come here and speak to those who had immigrated here and preach and teach to them. But as time went by a little over a decade, that feeder source from across the pond became less reliable, and frankly, they were less faithful in their teaching. So there was a pastor in Watertown, Wisconsin, where I live, in the late 1850s, early 1860s, who said, we must dig our own well deeply and produce right here in our country our own pastors and teachers. And it's really interesting to me that this pastor was just a little bit older than your pastor when he started this whole program. He later became the synod president. So he went out and spoke of this and gathered gifts for it during the Civil War. I don't even think arguably the worst time in the history of the United States of America. And he got a school Of ministry, a school for pastors and teachers started in Watertown, Wisconsin in 1865. It had a seminary because we wanted pastors, it had a college because we wanted young men to prepare to be pastors, and it had a college because we wanted men to be teachers too, and it had a high school based on the German model, so that the young people would not be influenced by the world and could be encouraged and prepared that way. Well, the seminary moved out after about seven years and is now located in, Was- in Mequon, Wisconsin. And then the college remained there for 130 years until 1995. Then it combined with our Church body's Teacher College and now is in New Ulm, Minnesota, so a seminary and a college, but the prep department remained. And the prep department at Luther Prep in Watertown, Wisconsin is the oldest high school, the oldest Lutheran high school in all of North America, having been around now for 158 years. And you know because you've had a guest preacher here before, there is another prep school in Saginaw, Michigan. So our church body owns these four schools, the two high schools, the college, and the seminary. And their purpose remains the same to encourage and prepare young people to be pastors, teachers, or staff ministers in our church body. We encourage and invite any 13 or 14-year-old to come to Luther Prep or to Michigan Lutheran Seminary, knowing full well that a 13-year-old won't know what he or she wants to do with the rest of her life, and it is okay if they choose some other vocation after they graduate, it is completely okay. And what also delights me i speak of the school i serve at luther prep as my school it's your school as much as it is my school it's owned and operated by our church body the harvest is plentiful jesus said in our gospel the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field There's well over 100 pastor pastor vacancies in our church body and almost 200 teacher vacancies in our church body. Every year for the past 150 years, dozens of young men stand at the seminary on assignment day and say what Isaiah said, here am I, send me, send me, Lord. I'm willing to go anywhere to preach your gospel from Mississauga to Montana to Malawi to Manila. Every year, scores of college students graduate from Martin Luther College, and they, too, say, here am I, send me, send me, to go be a teacher of your word, Lord Jesus, wherever that might be. And why do these young people do that? Well, it's perhaps because they've received some encouragement from their congregation. It's quite likely that mom and dad encouraged them that way. Perhaps their grandparents did. Maybe they went to the school and their classmates carried them along and encouraged them that way. Pastor or teacher might have had influence. Humanly speaking, those are all wonderful reasons. But the chief reason is what we heard said to Isaiah. Your guilt has been taken away. Your sin has been atoned for. The chief reason is what we heard from Paul right here. I desire to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God says to those servants, he says to you and me, wherever you have been, wherever you are right now, wherever you're going in the future as bumpy as rocky as messy as sin-stained as it might be you are forgiven your forgiveness is sealed in the holy precious blood of christ signed in his blood and it's sealed in his resurrection from the grave he lives and so he says to each and every one of us and all of those called servants, you are mine now and forever. And what has been given to the gospel minister, the unconditional gospel that comes from outside of us, the power of life and salvation in Christ alone, the forgiveness of sins, and always when there is forgiveness of sins, on its heels will be life and salvation. That Power that unconditional gospel is the core of everything a preacher and teacher wants to proclaim and teach. His closing words, Paul says, we do speak a message of wisdom, not ours, God's wisdom. He says it's a mystery. It's hidden. It can't be seen with the naked eye. It can't be heard with the naked ear. It, it can't be thought up by a sinful mind rather this wisdom comes from the word and paul said it is revealed to us by god's spirit by the holy spirit how rich you are as a congregation how rich i am to be in the church body i am and you are to be in the church body you are where the word of god is central with christ crucified being the hub of everything that is taught and proclaimed a few concluding thoughts thank you for your support for ministry education in our church body thank you for your prayers thank you for encouraging any young person that you might encourage to consider the preaching or teaching ministry the harvest is plentiful and it will remain plentiful. Please continue to encourage whoever you might see along the way. And the preaching and the teaching of the unconditional gospel is rare. I've heard it said that a century ago, the Christians drove the bus, and then they were passengers on the bus, And now they're not even welcome on the bus the preaching and teaching of the gospel is rare how do we respond love the gospel love the unconditional salvation found in jesus christ and him crucified our living lord love the church even though sometimes this church militant this church on earth is kind of messy Love it because it's been made holy by the precious blood of Christ and love the gospel proclaimer. Grace and peace to you. Amen.